Well, welcome back again, everyone who's watching online, uh, everyone here. Uh, as we keep going with the sermon series on finding our identity in Christ and who am I? Uh, when I was a kid, uh, growing up, I was always kind of nerdy and uncoordinated. Uh, one of the things about being tall is that uh, the shorter kids always seem to have an, an early advantage in development. You know, we would sit there in gym class and have to do pull-ups. I always thought that was like the cruelest thing in the world, pull-ups. You know, this little five-foot wrestler guy is just doing them like backwards, one-handed, boom, boom, boom. I couldn't, you know, I got one. Like his arms are half the way. I'm like, Bleh. I had to stand there in front of everyone watching me, you know. I had one of those old-school gym coaches, you know. They, you weren't graded on improvement. You were graded on a curve. And uh, so I had to beat the curve with that wrestler guy that did like 50 of them or something. So, but this is what you get. You, you know, when you're tall, you often grow up lanky, uncoordinated, and you don't get good at sports uh, till later. I didn't really start to get coordinated till middle of 10th grade. And by the time middle of 10th grade had come, all the starting positions in all the sports had already long ago been decided and I, I was so far behind the curve in skill development, there was no way I ever could have competed. Uh, and so basically, my, any dream of a high school sports career was gone. I will admit it wasn't the greatest dream I'd ever had. Uh, but uh, I used to think, you know, I used to sit and daydream. And I think we all do, right? We all sit and daydream about things like what life would have been like had, high, had I been uh, made a little bit different. Not not like a different family or different parents, but like, you know, what if I would have had that buff body that got really good in eighth grade instead of 10th grade, you know, and I would have already been on the fast track and, oh, all the girls would have looked at me then and not just the uncoordinated guy whose whole forehead was solid acne. And, uh, you know, and I think people have thought about me differently. You know, and I think all of us could probably think of some part of ourselves deep down, whether we'd admit it publicly or not, but there's some part of ourselves we kind of wish we could change, right? Something we feel like the genetic lottery just didn't give us. And, uh, you know, you can think for yourself, I'll bet you we all have a, probably a bunch of come to our mind, right? Our height, our weight, some other feature, you know. Um, you know and, and you ask yourself, uh, why do I want to change this? I think it's always a good question just to sit and go, why do I wish that would be changed? You know? Is it because it, I'm, it causes me pain? Is this part of myself that I want to change something that causes me pain? Uh, does it limit in what I can do? Or is it because I've been told by the world and the culture that I would be more desirable if I had these different traits? I mean, wh wh why did I care if I was good at sports? It wasn't really because I wanted to be a jock that that in and of itself was not a dream. Uh, I wanted the attention. I wanted the social standing. You know, I, I like being active. It wasn't like I needed to be in sports to do those things. I worked out on my own, but, you know, I liked speech and theater and learning things with books. And, and uh, you know, high school theater just never gets you the same acclaim as the quarterback does. It's just funny how that works. And looks does matter in how people treat you. We do treat each other differently as much as we might want to admit that we're egalitarian. 
And I'm sure some of us have even taken this to the next level. Taking it to God, asking God the question, God, why did you make me this way? Why didn't you give me the skills that that person had? Right? I mean, God, why, didn't you, why, why did you give that guy all the arm strength and the clear skin? Make me so lanky I could never do gymnastics. I, I used to literally... I used to literally get docked points because I couldn't do a forward roll. That's how bad at gymnastics I am. And, I, and, and I, we'd say, why, God? Why? The Bible says we are all made in the image of God. You know, you might hear it in Latin, imago dei. It sounds really cool in Latin. That just means image of God. We are made by God to be like God. Not in every way, but in the basic way, the fundamental way, in our true selves, deep down, we are not made bad or defective or whatever we get told. We are made in the image of God. And this phrase comes from Genesis 1, uh, verses 26 and 27. I'll read it for you. It says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I want to take a little bit of a look at this, this passage. It's a piece of the Bible that gets quoted a lot, for good or bad. In the first part, in verse 26, you have God making people and giving them dominion over the animals, even the creepy things. And so you always go, what, what does that mean, dominion? I mean, I can train my dog, and I think he's pretty certain I've got dominion over him, and he's happy with it that way. My cat, I tell him to do something, and, you know, and I'm like, Beethoven, you must go, leave the table. I have dominion over you. It is a divine command. And he'll just like look at me and lick himself and walk away and puke on the floor. He just doesn't seem to care about the divine mandate in the fabric of creation. But as people, we do have an ability to make things and to change our environment in ways that can affect the birds and the fish and the creepy things. You know, we have the power to destroy the environment and trash it or clean it up and protect it. We have the choice to live with nature or against it. And unlike animals, we have this ability to change things in the world around us in ways that animals don't. You know, I mean, th there are some things they do. You know, beavers make dams and there's birds that make nests. But, you know, there's never been a beaver who's figured out how to make a dam and attach a water wheel and, you know, turn it into a steel mill. And, the, and so, you know, that gives us some dominion over the world in a way, an ability to change it. So I step back and I say, okay, how does God exercise dominion? What is God like? And, and what ways might we be like God? So here are some ways I came up with. This is a Lars list, not an official list from, you know, saying something of something. It's just a Lars list. One, 
You are mysterious and never fully known. The Lord God is so big that you will never know everything about him. You will never stop gaining an experience or, or, or knowledge. And the same is true of us. You will never fully, totally know yourself or the people you're with. There will always be something more to learn, something more to gain. It means you are never done growing with someone. And there will never be a point when you've figured out everything about someone. There may come a point when you can finish their sentences and, and know where to put your hand out because you know where they will throw that towel. But you will never know all of it. We are deep and mysterious. And like God that way, who shows us some things, but never everything. Two, you have the power to create this is the first essence of God, right? God creates. God, God makes things. God builds things. God grows things. You are like God, capable of creating and making and inventing. And don't ever say to yourself, well, I'm not a creative person. You know, just because you can't fill a Pinterest board with things that you stencil on barn siding or figure out how to make your kids, you know, lunches look like elephants or something... There are some people who always seem to impress, and that's the problem with people who are really good at things. You look at them and like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Dude, it's not a race. It's about you exercising the creative power that God has given you in whatever way. It's, it's why I like to do art and creative things in worship. It's like I, do, I like doing hands-on things at Lent because I feel like it's, it's a part of ourselves that is built into us from God and we come closer to God when we do it. Number three, you are capable of making decisions. You aren't just an animal acting on instinct. You know, you can decide things. You can change your behavior. You can decide to do things differently. You can be responsible for more than just yourself. It can be work to be responsible, but it can be freeing, right? We are made that way. Four, you are beautiful. And don't ever forget that. God is the God of the ultimate beauty. And those who have come closest to seeing God face to face will talk about how overwhelmed they were with all of it. The Psalms talk about worshiping the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Beauty, not just power, but beauty. And we are made in God's image. We are made beautiful. And there is no one in the world who is not made in God's image. Right? In his image he created them, not some of them. This is huge. Everyone is made in God's image. There is no physical trait that makes you not in God's image. None. No matter what you look like, no matter what you deal with, no matter what you struggle with, or you wish you could change, you are still made in the image of God. You may not be the image of what the culture considers desirable, or the image of the school, or the image of Hollywood, but you are in the image of God. And one thing that God does consistently in the Bible is that God does not look on people the way people look on people. You know, God lifts up the lowly. He makes kings out of shepherds. 
He makes prophets out of tree trimmers. He makes saints out of tax collectors and disciples out of demon-possessed homeless women. He sees in people true selves, the true us, and treats us as that. He sees the beauty and the mystery and the power in everyone. So then the passage goes on with verse 27. I'll read it again. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So listen carefully. God created them in his image. Them. Both of them. Both the man and the woman. Both in the image of God. Neither more nor less the image of God. This part of the Bible, uh, we think, probably goes back originally maybe 3,000 years. We think it was probably put down in paper maybe another 500 years after that when it got put down and written down, more codified. So this is very old. And if you go back to that time and you look around at and, and you compare the beliefs of the Jewish people to their neighbors around them and the other religions at the time, it was not a given that both men and women were made in God's image. It was actually a very common belief that men were made in God's image and women were somehow a defective or uh, lesser man. And if you don't believe me, read, some, read Aristotle. That guy was a brilliant philosopher. That guy did not understand women one bit. It, 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 it is just eye-popping how bad his anatomy is. But he really believed that. And, and so there's something radical that's being said here, and we miss it. Because people have taken these old words from the rabbis, the ones who put Genesis together, and they take this from a statement uh, about being in God's image, and they make it into some sort of a rule book. So it goes from male and female, he created them, to only male and only female, he created them, and nothing else. But it doesn't say only or nothing else. Those words are not in the Bible. So where does that leave all the people who don't feel like they fall exactly in one place or the other, or they don't fit exactly what the culture expects them to be, because, of course, those things vary from place to place and time to time. What about the people who don't feel like they belong in the bodies they were born into? You know, one way is to say, everyone is made in the image of God and created good and beautiful. Another way is to say, anything other than absolute one way or another is an abomination and it's wrong. You have to get that thud in there, right? And honestly, the second one has been more common in Christianity. But now things are changing again, right? People are coming forward and they're saying, this is how I am. This is how God made me. I'm not going to apologize for it or try to change it. And as Christians, we are supposed to love everyone, right? And see in everybody the image of God, which is always hard, because there's some people, they really, they, you know, they just, they don't seem very godly. But they are made in the image of God. And Christians who are supposed to love everyone and see everyone in that image of God can sometimes freak out and say, but, 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 doesn't it, it says right here male and female. Yeah, it says that. But you're really telling me 
Those rabbis are sitting there by the rivers of Babylon, and they're looking around and they're going, you know, there's too much gender fluidity going on in Babylon these days. And so we better put something in the Bible to make sure we put a lid on this. You know, I, I, I don't think they were thinking, I just think they were thinking about that at all. I think the point was to show how different they were from the religions around them. They were correcting a belief that was common. Because remember, the Jewish people at this time, most of them weren't in Jerusalem. They had been moved to Babylon in, in southern Iraq. And they were living in the capital city as slaves of a foreign empire. And the rabbis were sitting down there trying to make sure that the stories of the people were not lost and that the traditions about God didn't disappear. How will the kids know? We've got to put it in writing. So they're putting all this stuff into writing. and They're sitting there in Babylon. And they're looking around. Well, what, what are all the kids learning from their kids at Babylon school? Well, what they're learning is not that people are made in the image of God, that they are loved and wanted. What they're learning is that people are a mistake, an accident, a, a, a sort of coincidental outgrowth. In the Babylonian myth, there was a big guy named Gilgamesh, and he was kind of hairy and very manly. And he got in a fight with a dragon, and he took his sword, and he sliced open the dragon's guts, and the guts went flying, and they landed, and out of the guts came people. That's what we were. Dragon guts. An accident. Unintentional. No purpose. Not loved by the gods. We had to deal with each other, but that was it. But the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of the Jewish people, he didn't make people by accident, but by plan, and not defective, but in the image of himself, and, and not bad, but good. What a difference. You are made in the image of God, however you are made. It was God's will. And I'll admit, there are times I struggle with this, Right? How God could make everything so good. The, I, I look at some things like you know, genetic illnesses and stuff that can cause a lot of pain, and I'm like, God, why did you create that? Couldn't you have, not, couldn't you have switched something a little bit? I, I, I struggle with it, but I'll admit, I don't struggle with a whole lot else about this. You know, I don't think people with disabilities are less divine, or you know, people who don't fit in are somehow less godly. I don't think people are made one way by God and then condemned by God for being that way. I do believe we are all made in God's image and that it's always going to be a challenge to live into that because as a person, I look at people the way people do, not the way God does. But it's up to me as someone who has God's power to make decisions, to love or hate, to accept or reject, to include or exclude, to follow God's path in that you are made in the image of God. The point isn't that we don't try to improve ourselves or make ourselves healthier or try to be all that we could be. We should absolutely take care of ourselves and do what we can. We should strive to be all God made us to be. But we should never despair or feel that there is any trait about us that would make us farther from God's love 
or any less like him. Amen.